You know what I feel like I want to do? Just grab everybody and just give them a great big hug tonight. It's good to be home. How about that? Yeah, yeah, we could just do that. We could just everybody just stand up and give everybody a great big hug and we feel real comfortable, right? Y'all are too quiet. Y'all forget that it's me up here. You can't be quiet when it's me up here. You forget that, right? So, uh, no, it's good to be here. Good to be in Branson. It's good to have another church, but it's good to be back here, too. Yes, yes, yes. Lots and lots and lots of good things are going on in Sarasota. Yes, yes, yes. I left Keith down there, and I said, what do you think? We had been there, you know, week after week after week, and he said, man, these people are growing up around here, you know, so... Good things are happening. The crowd is growing. People are coming, actually. I told him, I texted him last, I guess it was last Sunday, and I said, you know what, sweetheart? I said, people actually showed up for church, and they knew it was going to be me. I said, they did. They came anyway. And he just laughs at me. I'll, you know him. He just laughs at me. But anyway, it's really going well. Um, the other day... Uh, we were there, and all of a sudden, we got a phone call, and uh, our TV stuff equipment has started coming in for down there, yes? And Devin has not seen his wife for, what, two weeks now, Cassie? Yeah. We have got some, some faithful people here sewing time and efforts, yes, really, really good stuff. And uh, then they called me, and they said, uh, Devin and I were having to go get a piece of equipment the other day, and... Um, we were talking about something that would be really good to have, and so we just agreed. We said, well, we'll have it. We'll have it. And it was fiber optics we didn't have. And uh, they called the other day and said, uh, Mrs. Moore, we're getting fiber optics. Nobody knows why. And we were calling the company, and they said, we're not supposed to be having that. And, uh, but we're getting it anyway. And so uh, they finished installing it, what was it, today? Today. And so, uh, yeah. They hooked it up, and uh, they called the company to, to get them to tell them some information about it, and they said, we didn't know that was going in, but it's in. It's in, and, and Devin is like a permanent grin on his face because of it, you know, so uh, he's doing really well. And then we had some, we have a, a, our flower team there. They are, they're pretty interesting. They're, you know, flowers there are like year-round, so uh, uh, Dave enjoys it very much, you know. <laughs> Oh, you enjoy the flower team. I see. No. Dave has actually had to cut the grass lots there. Don't let him kid you. He's had to do it because it, it grows a lot faster than it does here. So, you know, every time he comes, it's like somebody's got to do it, you know. But anyway, the other day, these ladies came in, and they presented us with this. They don't have computers. So they're just these two ladies. They're a little bit older, and they presented us with this a big folded uh, cardboard. And they had gone out on the parking lot and they had taken all the, the different measurements of the little curbings and of all the different things and they had put together a cardboard manila file thing and penciled in everything and what it would cost to replace all the bad flowers and buy all the new flowers and taken pictures of the things and gave us an exact presentation of what we needed to do for the grounds. And it was excellent and it's only going to cost like $2,000. They are good, I'm telling you, they are good. And so uh, we have got some wonderful people down there. They are ready to have church. They are, they are doing an excellent job. And so, uh, and the people are showing up to sing. We had a guy try out the other day for the saxophone. I think he asked, where's, where's the Parkers? I think they, he, they, Jackie came down to visit, and uh, I think they, he asked their daughter out. 
Things are happening, so I better get to my sermon now. Yeah, good things are happening. Well, we're going to have our 10-year celebration around here. Can you believe it? Y'all are 10 years old. How many of you have actually been here for 10 years? Stand up. Stand up if you've been here for 10 years. Glory to God. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Each one of you should have a video presentation of how God has changed your life. Each and every one of you should have one because there is no way in God's green earth that you could have lived 10 years and God not done something for you. So each one of you should be able to tell something amazing that God has done for you. I know. I can look around the crowd and just tell you things that God has done for each and every one of you. Lands and buildings and and things. You actually got married. Imagine that. And you actually got jobs and houses and you got a red Corvette, actually. I mean, I could go around this room and tell you all the things that happened to people that are in this room. You got married. Well, I mean, things that happened. And she's living in a house, and, and, and they're here, you know, and, and Mo's healed. I don't know where he is, but he's healed, you know. I could go around the crowd and tell you the things that's happened with these people and stuff. So um, God has done a... Ma- and there's... I don't know what's up with them. They got a house, and they're still here, and I didn't run them off. There's a, there, there's a testimony. How about that? No. Good things are happening. Y'all can be seated, but, you know, there's good things here. Ten years. And we should be excited and thankful and grateful for everything God has done in our lives. You know, I was talking to the church down there, and I think that a lot, a lot, a lot of things, and it's the most amazing thing. You know, how many of you have more than one child? Okay, you had one child, and you learned on that first child. You knew absolutely nothing about raising a child or rearing a child. We'll say proper English. Rearing a child. And everything you didn't know, you did on that child. And you practiced on them. Right? Well, that's what we did with you. We practiced on you. And we learned a lot of things that we should not do. Oh, no, let's not do that ever again. Okay, okay. Oh, that works really well. Let's do that some more. Okay, so and so we're getting to put up to, into practice all those things there that are working so well here and that didn't work so well. We, we won't do those. So, so we keep telling people, no, we don't want it to be just exactly like we told them in Branson because we're going to go back and change some of those things because they didn't work so well. So uh, it's going really, really well to know that you have a second child. Did you do that with your kids? Uh-huh. You, di- you, you didn't do the exact same thing with your second one that you did with your first one. So it's a really good thing, you know, to be able to have a second child and see how to make correct the mistakes that you made on the first one. So uh, we've corrected a few things, and we're doing better, yeah. And so uh, you'll have to come down there and get a load of you up and come down there sometime and see what's going better down there. And uh, so uh, it's good. It's good. But... Um, In saying that, you know, don't be concerned if um, things change around here because, you know, that's the bad part about it being the older child. When you realize something with the second child, what happens? The older one has to change because the second one you realize, hey, we shouldn't have done that with the, uh, and we we realize this works better now, so we got to go back and fix this with this one. 
Right? Uh Uh-huh. So we may have to do some of that around here. So we'll be doing it. It'll be good because if it works better, you do it. Right? So uh, that's what we'll do. So uh, we still want to get at least three deep, four deep, five deep, six deep. Who knows how many people we need in different places and things. And so uh, it's going to be really, really, really good. The one thing I have enjoyed about being there is, and I don't know if you can tell it or not. I think you can. I have got stirred up about serving God. I have got a new hunger and a new Ooh, intensity is Dave's word about serving God because you see people again that are so hungry for the things of God and I think what you forget is a lot of people that have been serving God for a little while it's almost like they come full circle and things don't work for them so they go like this and it didn't work and so they lose their joy and their feathers fall and they don't really understand why But when you go back and you really begin to teach it again and you teach it in its purest form and you look at the Word from the very beginning with people that's really maybe never seen it before, you see so clearly why things are not working. You're no longer confused about it because it makes it so simple why we're not getting the results that we should get. Because somewhere along the way, if something with this book is not working, God messed up. Right? Not happening. We've got to get to a point to where we don't just come to church because it's church time. And that somebody is making us come to church. In most relationships, you have one person that's eager to serve God and they drag the other one along. I know Keith did it to me for a long time. I know. I know exactly what I'm talking about. But you know the most wonderful and amazing thing in the whole wide world is when you have two people hooked together and really, really, really wanting to do what God wants them to do. There is no devil in hell big enough to stop them from accomplishing everything that God wants for them. But it's when you got one person that's trying to pull and they're trying to do everything that God wants, but they got to pull everybody else along with them. It makes it hard. But the reason they got to pull everybody along with them is because the people that they're pulling along with them haven't seen the results that they want to see. Or they've been hurt. Or they don't understand. Or the one that's pulling them is only preaching to them and not loving them. There's a lot of reasons. But we can find out all the answers and then everybody can be happy about serving God. How about that? Because this thing right here does not fail. It doesn't fail. That is the greatest thing that I've seen over the last two or three years. Everything that we've gone to do. 
I mean, I can go back past this, the last two or three years. I can go back to when we, before we started this church. Everything that we've gone to do, everything that we've set our hand to has prospered. Everything that God has said do, and we've done it the way He said do it, when He said do it, has it happened? Everything. Now, it has not been without putting this flesh under. That's going to have to happen. But when you do that, you reap rewards that you cannot imagine. And you reap joy that you don't understand. So I want us to get a new, I'll use my word again, intensity for the things of God. Because God so desires that we be blessed. He so desires that we have everything we need to be full of joy and full of victory and full of all the wonderful blessings that he has given us. And if you remember, how many of you remember what I taught on whenever it was here, I was here the last Friday night? Anybody? Please, somebody help me. Somebody tell me you remember. Righteousness. Yes. That we were made righteous. That it doesn't matter what we did or how bad we messed up or who we hurt or how bad a sinner we was or if we killed somebody or if we ate their liver. (laughs) That God could forgive us. Right? And he did forgive us. And he will forgive us. And that there's nothing that is too big or difficult for him to forgive us of by his blood. But there was something that we had to do. We had to call on him. Right? Well, I want us to go further tonight. And I want to talk to you tonight about an area that I feel like is the second area that has to do with us being made righteous. I know that in today's society, there is a field that is growing out beyond every field. And it's making more money than all of us in here could put together. And it's growing really, really rapidly. Can anybody guess what field that is? Somebody over here said it. Huh? Huh? Not technology's good, but there's another one even outgrowing technology. Health and medicine. And pills. And pharmaceutical companies. And doctors. And machines that will run tests on you. Over and over and over again. And still tell you nothing. But send you a bill in the mail. They're good at that part. Now, I'm not putting doctors down. Don't get me wrong. Not at all. Because I know there's a lot of people that would not be here today if it would not be for the medical field. I am not putting them down by any stretch of the imagination. They have helped me over the years, and they have helped other people over the years. They've helped my family. They've helped other people. I mean, uh, just this week we had somebody that, if it wouldn't have been for instantaneous being able to go to the doctor, they might be dead this instant, and they're a very young person. 
So I am very, very thankful for them. But I know this much. The medical field could be for the world. And we could quit supporting them so much. How about that? What about it? Y'all up for it? I think we should find out some more about it. So the last time I spoke, the title of my message was Made What? Righteous. Now who in here was made righteous? I think that's most everybody. Everybody in here was made righteous. So tonight the title of my message was or is Made Healed. And I think you'll understand it by the time we get done with it. So, turn with me, if you would, in the King James Version, guys, for the screen, to Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as if it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Now, I don't think there's one person in this room, and I am not... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? A very... How many of you know me a little bit? Do I seem to be a very technical, theological person to you? Thank you. Thank you. That would not describe me very well. I'm not your teacher of teachers. Okay? That's not how I would describe myself. I am the kind of person that I like to see something work. I like to understand it. I like to, okay, tell me, I'm all the time telling Keith, you know, the first time we went for an airplane ride, he had his little, well, maybe not the first time, but soon after that, he had his little bonanza. And uh, we were in the bonanza, and there was a switch over there, and I said, what does this do? It's a good thing we weren't very high because it was the door seal and the door seal went and the pressurization went. I didn't do that anymore. But I like to know what things do and why they do it. I like to know because if I can know why they do it, uh, then I can maybe do it again or I can say, "Mm, I don't want no part of that. You know? You know, but I don't have to know, I don't want to know what made that door seal do that. 
Does that make sense to you? I just want to know what the switch did. Don't tell me that the switch was hooked to this cable and this cable runs to this and this cable then goes around and up. And I, I, but I did get that. But then this cable... <laughs> so, I, so I will know not to do that anymore. So, um, but that's not me. But for the sake of you understanding what's going on in your life and what's going on in my life, I took the time to see what these verses actually meant. Because to me, they were too complicated. I didn't understand them. I'm not that smart. Maybe you are. Maybe you're way above me. But if you've got sickness in your body... You didn't understand them either. Okay? Because if you have any kind of a symptom in your body, you didn't understand this. Because once you understand this, you will never let the devil run over you again with sickness. Never. It'll never happen. That's why I say you didn't understand it. A lot of people go to church and they hear people read things and it just goes over their head. But it's like in school when the dumb person raised their hand and asked a question and you didn't understand it either till the dumb person asked the question. Right? Then when the dumb person asked the question... It made you understand it a little bit better and you could go on. Well, I'm the dumb person tonight and I didn't understand it well enough. So I had to study it a little bit and I'm going to explain it to you. So I'm raising my hand tonight and y'all all get the benefit of it, okay? Okay, so here we go. All right. Verse 4. I want to read this to you and I want to tell you the definitions that I found of these words. And I don't want you to raise your hand. Unless you just want to. If you've ever had one of the, ever in your life had one of these things arise in your body. And I'll raise mine. I'm not ashamed. You know me. I tell you everything. I don't, you know. Okay. Surely he has borne our griefs. Okay. Now your mind immediately goes to someone died. Right? Let me explain to you grief. Heartache. Has anybody in here ever had a heartache? How many teenagers are in here? Stand up. You teenagers, anybody ever broke your heart? Yep. Did you want to beat them up? Yep. Just say it. You know it's the truth. You know me. Yeah, somebody's broke your heart before. And it ain't fun. You can sit down. He bore that for you. Anybody in here divorced? Huh? You ever had heartbreak? He bore that for you. He bore the heartbreak for you. You ever felt like you had a broken heart? 
He bore it for you. Any anguish, any pain. Now, everybody in this room can raise their hand on that. Anybody in here ever had any pain? Okay? He bore it for you. Any angst. Do you know what angst means? Any uh, upsetness. Any just misery. Any angst. It's a good word for you to look up when you get home. Any misery. Anybody ever had any misery in their marriage or any misery with their kids? Now, this ain't just talking about healing. Any misery? Whoa, wait about the next one. Any unhappiness? Now, surely he has borne our unhappiness. Now, wait a minute. I want to stop on that one just a minute. And I want to say to the drug companies here and now, we don't have to take antidepressants. There is someone that has given me the magic pill of antidepressants. It is the B-I-B-L-E antidepressant. And it's already been more for me. And I don't have to fill my body full of Antidepressants. This is the major antidepressant. Now, listen to me tonight. If you're taking anything, do not feel condemned. Do not feel under any compulsion to change anything that you're doing. But just listen. God is not a God of condemnation. And if you ever get one ounce of condemnation in your life, it is from the devil. What he will do is he will convince you that you have to take all these pills. Then he will get you to church here tonight to hear this message and condemn you because you're taking them. That's who he is. That's what he does. He is totally the accuser of the brethren. He he sends you down this road and and leads you straight down it. And then he says, why are you there? What are you doing there? You shouldn't be there. You're a Christian. You shouldn't be doing that. When he's the one that grabs you by the arm and said, come here, child. Come here, come here. Come here. You're supposed to be over here. Chad, what are you doing there, Chad? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? Why are you doing that, Chad? No condemnation. That's who the devil is. And that's what he does night and day. From the time you wake up in the morning till the time you go to bed at night. He's constantly trying his best to get you over here and then accuse you of doing something wrong. That's what he does. That's who he is. But no, if you're taking something, just listen tonight. That's all you need to do. Just listen. But this is the antidepressant. It'll fix it. Okay? So then the next one. He carried 
What does carried mean? Let's find out. To take. Now, I like the next word better. To transfer. Anybody have a bank account in here? Have you ever transferred anything from your savings account to your checking account? Or from your, well, most of the time you would prefer transferring it from your checking account to your savings account. But anymore, it mostly goes from your savings account to your checking account. But have you ever transferred from one to the other? Well, let me ask you a question. If you transfer $500 from, we'll do it the good way, your checking account to your savings account, okay? You just did it. You transferred $500 from your checking account to your savings account. Do you still have $500 in your checking account? Can you still write a check for $500? Why not? What? What? It's what? What? It is what? So if you had anguish or pain or angst, (laughs) or misery or unhappiness or woe, and you transferred it to Jesus. What just happened? What just happened? You no got it no more. You transferred it someplace else. You don't have it anymore. Somebody else has got it. Now, I know we talked about righteousness last week. Or last whenever. Yeah, for me last week. Keith's been teaching y'all on, you know, how quick time goes. So here, we'll just say last week. Okay, every day of your life, I know, everybody in this room, you wake up and you feel totally righteous. Right? The devil can do nothing to you to make you feel condemned. Right? Because you feel righteous. Right? Not a chance. You can hardly make it through an hour, much less a day, that the devil doesn't try to do something to you to make you feel condemned. Some kind of thought crossing your mind or some kind of you say something or you do something or you think something or you something that the devil doesn't try to do to you to make you feel unrighteous. Then he accuses you about it. Well, just because you do not feel healed, that does not make you unhealed. 
Either you transferred it or you didn't. Okay, how many of you, let me ask you a question. We'll go back to the checking account. How many of you actually saw when you transferred that $500 from your checking account to your savings account? You actually saw five $100 bills go from this, well, what would we even call it? This cubby hole, they took out $500, said this is Gary's $500. One, two, three, four, five. Checking account. Gary, you see that? Yeah. Okay. This is Gary's savings account. One, two, three, four, five. When is the last time you saw that happen? Now, let me ask you a question. Why do you trust that bank? Huh? Banks fold every day. Have have they done caught how many of them lying and cheating and stealing? Huh? But you told them to do it. And you believe they did it. Right? Then how come the King of Kings and Lord of Lords can tell you if you transfer your sicknesses to Him, Even though you don't see it. Did you feel anything when you transferred that money? You might have felt sick to your stomach if you had to transfer it out of your savings to your checking. You might have felt something. Especially if it was a big sum. You might have felt something. But that's not what we're talking about. No, you didn't feel a thing. You did it totally and completely by faith. Believing that those people were going to do that for you. They transferred it from one account to another. That's all you got to do. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter if you felt like you transferred that money or not. You better not write a check. Because it ain't going to be there. And they're going to come haul you off to jail real quickly if you keep writing hot checks. And you'll find out what you feel. You feel prisoned and bound. Because that's what will happen. It transferred. You get the picture now, right? Okay. So let's see if we can go on here. Uh, Or think about this. Here's another word that might help some of you. It relayed. Have you ever seen runners in a track meet with a baton? Next time you have healing coming on you, think about this. There's a symptom in your body. 
And the devil's trying real hard to put it on you. All you've got to do, it's real easy. Rob, get up. Carrie, get up. They're going to run for us. Get your Bible. You got it. Get in shape here. Get your Bible. All right. Jody, Sally, get up. We're going to do a relay race here. Just one Bible. That's all we need. One Bible. Just one Bible. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. Start out. Rob, start out and hand it off to the one behind you. Start running. Then you got to, you know how a relay race goes. Okay, start running, Jody. Hand it off. Come, Sally, go get that Bible. Come on, Sally, get that Bible. Oh, that's just the way the baton is in a relay race. Right? Did any one of them have that at the same time? Well, that's the way your healing is. It's a relay. You've got to hand it off. You have to hand it off. You have to hand it off. You, 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 you have to hand it off to the next person. The next person being whom? If you hang on to it, get it back up here. Okay, start, Rob, but hang on to the Bible. Hang on to it. He's still got it. What about the rest of the people along the line? They ain't never going to get it. Because Rob's going to hang on to it forever. Is this race going to be won? Is your race going to be won? That's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to never win your race because you're homesick. Because you will not pass off this sickness that the devil has put on you to God. And that's all he's got to do is put a sickness on you that you don't pass off to Jesus. That's absolutely all he has to do is give you a sickness that keeps you home and hurting. Give you a sickness that keeps you from doing what God's called you to do. And you never pass it off. You're never going to win your race. It's a relay. And he's made every provision for you. He made you what? He, and then he made you healed. He already did it. But you've got to give it to him. Y'all can sit down now, you racers. Y'all did good. Surely he has borne our griefs, our heartaches, our anguish, our pain, our angst, our misery, our unhappiness, our woe. And he carried or he took it and he transferred it and we relayed it to him. Our sorrows, which means our distresses. You ever had a distress? Something that kept you under pressure? Something you didn't know what to do? A distress. You know what a distress is, don't you? I'm blind and I know. Take off the word dis on the front. You ever had a stress in your life? Something that's stressing you night and day? Night and day, it's just stressing you. 
He took that. But what do you got to do? Transfer it. Relay it. Pass it on. Let's see, where's the, where are we at here? Uh, your sadness, your mourning, your sorrowfulness, your regret, your trouble, your burdens, your disappointments, your worries, your torments. I like that last one. What has been tormenting you? What? Anything under the sun. That's been tormenting you. What do you do with it? Transfer it. You relay it. You hand it off. You get rid of it. You don't keep it. You don't let those torments eat at you night and day. Every time they come on you, you, you mentally or physically, if you have to, get up, get your Bible and, and do what they did. You know what? The devil likes for you to play mental games with him. He is the greatest mental game player you have ever seen. You sit there in a chair and try to play a mental game with him, he will win. But if you get up and get into some action with him and say, no, I don't care what you say, devil. Here's my Bible. Here's my word. And get the tape if you have to and write down all these words and say, no, I'm going to relay this off. There it is. Whatever your torment is, if it's a bad book, if it's a computer, or if it's a, a pill, if it's a whatever it is, take it and throw it off of you. Yes. And if you've got to do it 60,000 times a day, do it. Put some action to what you're doing. Don't sit there in a chair and say, oh, woe is me. I have this torment and it just keeps tormenting me. I'm just a tormented, tormented person. Well, either Jesus did it or he didn't do it. Either he made you healed or he didn't make you. Where's my Bible? (laughs) See, it's disappeared. (laughs) Just like my torments. That's what happens to your torments too. They just disappear. Just gone. And they will disappear. The devil is not greater than Jesus. Doesn't happen. So yet we did esteem him. Regard or count him. Now this is where you come in. You have to count it as so. Let me ask you a question. Does salvation work for every? One. Every single person around the world. No. You must confess Jesus as your Savior in order for salvation to work for you. And it's the same thing with healing. You must believe that Jesus received stripes upon his back and received all these things and took them all for you in order for them to work for you. It is the exact same thing. You can be saved all the days of your life and never be healed one day. 
But do you know Romans 10.13 in the King James? We'll come back to this in just a second. I won't lose my place. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? That's when salvation works for somebody. But do you know that that word right there means? What does it mean? Sozo. What does sozo mean? Healed. Delivered. So wait a minute. Have you ever used that for just somebody getting saved? So why do we leave out healed? It is the exact same thing. But you, whosoever, who's a whosoever? I am a whosoever. Say it. I am a whosoever. And I will call upon the Lord. And I will be healed. That's what that means. It means the exact same thing as you getting saved. It means the same thing as you calling upon him to get saved and walk down to the altar. The very same thing. But you have to believe it just exactly like you believe he is your savior. You have to believe he is your healer. The very same thing. We'll keep going. We did esteem or regard or count him as our healer. Count him stricken, which means injured, hit, attacked, smitten, means struck, punch, beat, smacked, like this. (laughs) Kim looked at me like, don't you dare. She would have smacked me back too. (laughs) Slugged. Now, wait a minute. Put that verse up there, please. Verse 4. Stricken, smitten. Now, what's those next two words? Wait a minute. Now, can your mind wrap around that? Who beat up Jesus? Not the Roman soldiers. Who beat up Jesus? Well, now, only some of you will even say it. Who beat up Jesus? It's only going to work for you if you believe this. Who beat up Jesus? Okay, and the rest of the crowd. Is this the Bible? Who beat up Jesus? And the rest of the crowd. Who beat up Jesus? And the rest of the crowd. Who beat up Jesus? And the rest of the crowd. Who beat up Jesus? And we're going to keep saying it till everybody gets involved because you're not going to get healed till you believe it. Who beat up Jesus? God. And the rest of the crowd. I can see your mouth. You're not moving it. Who beat up Jesus? God. And the rest of you? God. Maybe you want to stay sick. Maybe you like people feeling sorry for you. Huh? I don't think so, so let's try it again. Okay, I don't believe that about anybody. Okay, so we'll try to get Who beat up Jesus? God. Thank you. God. 
But why did he do it? That's good to think. But let's find out. Why did he do it? You've heard it. But why? We'll skip to the last page, but we'll come back. How about that? Why did he do it? Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it pleased. Wait a minute. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. The NIV says, It was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. Why? Just because he wanted to beat up Jesus? Why? Why? Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did Jesus get beat so bad that you couldn't even tell who he was? Why? 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 I doubt seriously, and this is not to make one person feel bad, myself included. That most people can go through a day without some kind of pain in this physical body. Some kind of something going, oh, this hurts, that hurts, this hurts, that hurts, this is a problem. Oh, I need an aspirin. Oh, I need a Tylenol. Oh, I need an Advil. Oh, I need a this. Oh, I need a that. Oh, I need a this. Oh, I need a that. Don't raise your hand. I'll raise it for you. Why did Jesus pay such a price? So that we could take Tylenol and Advil. Why? Why did he get beat up so bad and get separated from the Father so much so that the Father, he said to the Father, why have you forsaken me? It must have been absolutely horrible. Why? So that we could not even think about it and run to the medicine cabinet and grab the first thing we could find to stop the pain. That is the world's way. There is a higher way. There is a greater way. There is an easier way. There is a better way. And it's been paid for. And the only reason it, pro- it pleased the Father 
to be so brutally mean to Jesus was so that we, you and I, will read it. It pleased the Lord to bruise him and put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The NIV says, And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. Say, that's me. And prolong his days. And the Lord will prosper in his hand. Say, I'm his offspring. He did it for me. Now again, there shouldn't be a soul in here that's condemned. Because we don't judge, because if you judge, you know your own self, you're guilty of the same thing. But what we should do is we should begin to take a step up and remind ourselves why Jesus died. It wasn't just for our salvation, guys. He was made sick so that we could be healed. We were made healed when he received the stripes on his back. We, you and I, look at your neighbor and say, you're healed. You are healed. Doesn't matter how your body feels. Doesn't matter what that head says. You're healed. That's who you are. And if you've got to get an 8 by 12 sign and put it on whichever one you go to the most, your refrigerator or your mirror, Okay, whoever goes, maybe maybe we'll say the guys will go to the refrigerator, the girls will go to the mirror. Maybe we'll put it like that. Okay, guys, put on your refrigerator. No, I'm just picking. All right, don't be so. (laughs) Jeez. Whichever you go to and say, he made me healed. You can say he made me whole, whatever. But he made me that way. He made me that way. That's who I am. In Him, I am healed. It'll do you good to say it. I am healed. In Him, I am healed. He did it for me. That's what He did. God is not a mean God. For him to do something that awesome and and that, lack of a better word, horrible, he had to know the benefits of it. Why else would he send his son? It wasn't just for our salvation to go to hell. He could have done that without us being healed. And we could have lived our whole lives and be sick. But what we should be doing is living our whole lives as an example to the world of who Jesus is. That's who we're supposed to be. And if every person in this room never had to go to a doctor, 
never had to take a Tylenol. Every Christian around the world never had to take a pill. What would it do to the medical field? Next question. What would it do to the church? Huh? There would not be an empty seat in this place tonight or in the one in Sarasota. The balcony would be full. But where does it start? It starts with when that pain comes. Because we've been yielding the other way for so long. You know, I like to run. I do. I know people think it's insane, but I like to run. And I'm just going to spill my guts to you, okay? You want to know? Three of you do, so I'll tell you in private. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Okay, I'll ask again. I like to run. Instant replay. (laughs) And I'll spill my guts to you. Do you want to know? Yes. (laughs) I didn't listen to my husband say, oh, no. no. And he said, Phyllis. Well, no, he said, Phil. How about you not going down the stairs with your socks on? Because the stairs are pretty slippery. And he only told me that about a thousand times. Do you think he knows how to be led? I'm glad he's not here. And it's not being broadcast, and it's not being taped, so I can tell you anything. (laughs) So, here I go, and I fell down the stairs. Well, I only didn't fall down the stairs once. I fell down the stairs twice. And I only didn't fall down the stairs twice. I fell down the stairs like five times. Yes, I am blonde. You're smarter than me, huh? You've never done anything more than once. I told you I would tell off on me. You've never made a mistake in your life more than once, right? And nobody's had to tell you anything more than one time, right? I get in a hurry. I've got my socks on. I run to go downstairs to do something, and I've got my socks on, okay? And here we go, because I'm moving too fast. I never have done that before. Have you? And here we go. Pa-dum, 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 pa-dum. Well, I cracked some vertebrae in my back. Yeah. Ouch was right. And I couldn't run. And I was miserable to be around. Dan and Dave and Rob, they didn't want to be around me very much because I couldn't run. And the easiest thing to do would have been just to drug up all the time. But you know what the, the worst thing about it is that I learned in that time? Was the more I didn't run and the more you wanted to take a Tylenol or you did take a Tylenol or an Advil or whatever, the more you wanted to be lazy and take an Advil. Do you understand what I'm saying? So a few weeks ago, I said, forget it. I don't even care. I guess it was three weeks ago. I got up one Saturday morning and I ran 13.5 miles and I said, forget it. I don't care. 
And you know what? started getting better. At some point in time, you have to make a decision which is right in your life. You have to make a decision what is the right thing in your life. Taking the pills and going the world's way or taking the Bible and going God's way. You have to decide. You cannot go back and forth between the two. I heard Dave preach a sermon recently on lukewarm. That's what this is. It's, it can't work both ways. You can't get up today and say, okay, I'm going to take a bunch of pills. And then tomorrow you're going to say, okay, no, I'm going to do this. And then today you're going to take it. And you're gonna... The devil will make you feel, I know, I felt so sluggish. I can't afford to feel sluggish. I don't have time to feel sluggish. But that's what it does to you. And the more sluggish you feel, the more you want to take something to make you not feel sluggish. And that is the devil's game. Then if he can get you to feel sluggish and feel run down and feel tired and feel worn out, then he's won. He has totally won. Because then you want to do nothing for no one else. And it comes back to why are you even here on the earth? Why are you here? I told the crowd down there we were talking about this. I said, I know why we're here, so that we can work 40 hours a week to pay our light bill. And when we die, we still have a light bill after we're dead. Right? But that's what it amounts to. We work, 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 work to pay our light bill and our phone bill and our gas bill. And even after we're dead, we still have those bills. Somebody has to pay them. No, there has to be more to life than that. God gave Jesus as the ultimate gift. The ultimate gift. Have you ever had somebody come to you and they want to give you the most valuable or precious gift that they've got? Have you ever had that happen? I've had it happen. It's hard. I've had people come to me and and hand me a dollar bill and just, it's, it's, I mean, you can tell it's dirty, it's crumpled, they've had it a while. And it's the most valuable thing they've got. Or I've had people give me diamonds that was their great-great-great-grandmothers. Or I've had them give me uh, very precious things to them. And you're like, I don't really want to take it. But it's their seed. It's the most valuable thing that they have. That is what God did. He gave you, he gave you and 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 every person here the most valuable thing that he had. Think about somebody coming up to you right now and going in their house and giving you the most valuable thing that they have. Think about it. 
Or think about the most valuable thing that you have. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your house. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your great ancestor's diamond ring or china or... What is it? Y'all got it in mind? Everybody got something in mind? Now go in your mind and give it to the stranger on the other side of the auditorium. You've never met him before. You don't know who they are. And they are a rank sinner. They've never done anything right. They don't deserve it. My wife is valuable to me. She's precious to me. My child, they're the most valuable thing I have. This house, this is the most valuable thing I have. Now you might perchance give the most valuable thing you have to a good friend if you knew they needed it. But to just get up from this side of the auditorium and go to this side of the auditorium to somebody you don't even know, or maybe you do know them and you you know that they've messed up. Would you dare give them the most valuable thing that you have? No. But God did. Did he know you were going to mess up? Let's get to the next part. Verse 5. But he was wounded, injured, hurt, suffered for our... What? Transgressions. What does transgressions mean? Wrong doings. Misbehaviors. Disobediences, lapses, indiscretions, offenses. He was wounded for all your mess ups, for all your indiscretions, all your offenses. Have you ever disobeyed God? Have you ever misbehaved? I'm too close to Rob to ask that question. (laughs) Have you ever done anything wrong? Well, then you qualify. He knew it ahead of time. He knew that that was who you are. He knew it was who I am. And he still did it. He knew we were sinners. He knew people had messed up. He knew even once you got saved, you were going to do these things. And he still did it. He was bruised, beaten, and battered for, what's the next word? Wait, what, what, one little tiny three-letter word. Our... Our, say my. my. Is that the same thing as our? Yes. My iniquities. Do you want to know what iniquities are? 
Yeah, I did too. I was blonde. My guilt. Have you ever been guilty about anything? Has the devil ever told you you can't be healed? Do you know what you did? You don't deserve healing. You don't qualify. See, I told you you didn't know what this verse meant. That's what it means. Every time the devil tells you you don't deserve healing because of something you did, get this verse out. Quote it to him. He did it for my iniquities. It's already paid for. For my guilt. For my evils. For my injustices. For my crimes. For my sins. For my vices. For my immoralities. Say, I qualify. I qualify to transfer my sicknesses to Jesus. I qualify to transfer every pain to Jesus. I qualify. Did God know we were going to mess up? That's why he put this in here. He knew who we were before we knew who we were. And he made this verse for us ahead of time. He knew we were going to mess up and do evils and have offenses and guilt. And he knew the devil was going to be the condemner. That he was going to try to get you into a place that you shouldn't be and make you do things you shouldn't do and then try to throw this symptom on you. Here, Chad, be sick. And you were going to lay in your bed at night and instead of saying, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. You were going to say, I don't deserve it. Look at what I did today. I don't deserve it. I stole that petty cash. I talked about them. I did this. I did that. One has nothing to do with the other. Your healing has already been bought and paid for. It is done and over with. All you need do is relay it to Jesus. And you know what? He'll take it. It's already been paid for. He's already paid the worst price. You don't have to pay it again. You don't have to suffer again. You don't have to go through it again. The chastisement, the reprimand, the discipline. Now see, did you know chastisement meant this? The chastisement, the reprimand for you messing up, the discipline for you messing up, the rebuke for you messing up, the scolding for you messing up, the telling off for you messing up, the correction for you messing up, 
the punishment for you messing up, the penalty for you messing up, was put upon him. Because he knew you were going to do it. And with his stripes, say it, we are, we are, we are, not going to be, we are, we are, we are, we are, we are, get some sass in your step, we are, we are, we are, we are healed. We are healed, guys. That's who we are. What's your name? I are healed. That's my new name, I are healed. I are healed. I, I, yeah. Oh, but you know what you said about them today. Mm, I are healed. That don't give you a right to be mean. But it don't give the devil a right either to steal your healing. You are healed. You are. That's who you are. And verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Huh? Did he know that? Did he know you would go astray? Yeah, he knew it. That's why he gave you this verse. We have turned everyone to his own way. Into the Tylenol bottle or the aspirin bottle or the pill bottle or the doctor or the whatever. And the Lord laid upon him our iniquities, our guilts, our evils, our injustices, our crimes, our sins, our vices, our immoralities of us all, of every person in this room. No matter what you've done, where you've been, who you've been with, what disease you have, what hereditary thing they tell you you've got, How many generations it's been handed down? It is no longer existent in your life. You don't have to have it. I want us to do something. I think you got the picture of it. We could go on. But I think you understand. I got four more pages of notes. But I think you're clear about the fact that you need to get this verse out. Now, how many of you, I don't want to embarrass you. I just told you my story. Have ever had to take anything and you had to take it. The doctor says take it in the morning and take it at night. How many of you? Take it in the morning, take it at night. Take it in the morning, take it at night. Take it in the morning, take it at night. I want you, they'll have to make a bunch of tapes if you didn't write down these words, what they mean. I want you, if you're believing God for healing in your body, 
I want you to get this, and I want you to write these words out, and I want you to read them in the morning and at night. In the morning and at night. And I want you to take them in the morning and at night. And in the morning and at night. And in the morning when you get up and at night before you go to bed. And in the morning when you get up. And how long do you have to take it? Well, how long do you take your medicine? Till you get healed. How long did the doctor tell you you was going to have to take that blood pressure medicine? Forever. So how long do you have to take this healing medicine? You know, one of the Ten Commandments said um, that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength and not have any gods before Him. Does anybody remember that verse? I think if we just did a little bit of reading our Bible instead of putting the idol of a TV or a, a computer you can call it what you want to a guidel, a, an idol isn't a gold shrine an idol is anything you put before God and that's why so many people are not healed get some word in you about healing. Get this in you. He's not going to condemn you. He's not the condemning God. But the devil will attack you. And that's what the devil's job is. His job is to keep you from getting any word and understanding what Jesus did for you. How many of you understand those verses better tonight than you did before you walked in the door? Do you feel stronger about a stepping on the devil's feet now than you did before you came in tonight. Well, we should because he's under our feet. But how do we get that way? By knowing what the Word says on a subject. And as long as he can keep us blindsided and can keep us in a deficit on an area, then he will have us over a barrel. And I don't want him to have you guys over a barrel. I don't want you sick. I don't want you hurting. I don't want you to where you're unable to do what God's called you to do. You should be healed. You know what? If you just didn't have to be sick, you'd have more money. Amen. You know what? If you just didn't have to be sick, you'd feel more like doing more for God. You know what? If you just didn't, if you just didn't feel bad, your marriages would, feel, would be better. You wouldn't be so grumpy and hard to get along with. You can say amen, it's true. Nobody's going to know if you're talking about you or somebody else. I'll say it. Hey, when I don't feel good, Keith has a pill to get along with. Well, you just don't even realize it. You don't. You don't realize you're being short or ill if you don't feel good. You don't. A lot of times you'll just snap before you even realize you're saying something because something is grating at you. When you don't feel good. And we don't have to be those people. We have to be the people of God that when we go out these doors, we're so full of joy and so full of excitement that people want to know why. And you can tell them, I don't care if you've done this wrong. 
you're still healed. So if you have to, whatever you have to do, get it on your mind, get your Bibles out, get this verse out, find it, get these definitions out so that they tell you if one of them stuck home in you, then read that one, put it there. Get whatever it takes to kick the devil in the tail or in the teeth or in the head, whatever you want to do. But do it and stay strong in this. And start taking back your ground. You may not can take it all back in one day. I had to run five miles before I could run 13 miles. You have to do what you can do. And so start taking back a little bit at a time. And you'll feel more confident. Okay, yeah, I can do this now. Okay, yeah, I can do this now. And we'll all start feeling better and all start doing better. And things will get easier and easier on us. Okay, stand up on your feet. to do something tonight. Choir, y'all come on back down here just a minute. Band, come on back down here just a minute. In the front right here, just start a line right over there and we'll start it this way. You know me, I do things out of the ordinary. We we were down there at the other church and one of the first few nights I had him do something and this one lady came up to me after the service. She said, are you always going to make us do something out of the ordinary? (laughs) And I said, yes. She said, huh. And she walked off and she came back and she said, well, I guess if God tells you to. (laughs) She's still been back. She told me she loved me, so we're good. We'll let it start with them. Are y'all wondering? Good. Good. Glory to God. Say, I'm healed. I'm healed. I am healed. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. I are healed. Stop right there. Okay? Somebody hand them a Bible or a... Yeah, somebody hand them one of our Bibles. Yeah, there you go. All right? I want you all to start. And I want you to hand it off to somebody on this front row. Everybody down the line needs something in their hand. And I want you, as an act of faith, everybody in this auditorium, change the front row. Everybody in here, I want you to walk past this front altar and I want you to hand it off as an act of faith. And in your mind, you're handing off this sickness. You're relaying this sickness to... No, let's do it this way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Dave, Jody... Rob, Dan, come up here and stand in the front. The Bible says uh, uh, that they called for the elders of the church and they laid hands on them and anointed them with oil. Well, we'll do the elders of the church. We'll have it this way. We'll do it a little bit different. All right? Stand kind of over there, Rob. We'll let them represent the things of the Lord. Hand off your sickness this way. Hand it off. And they're going to hand it to the Lord. They ain't going to keep it. They're just going to take it and hand it to it and put it on the altar. Make sense to you? We're going to hand off our sickness. Every person in this room. Don't you walk out that back door. Put an usher at the back door. Do you see me laughing? I ain't laughing. 
I'm serious about this, guys. It's time we represent our God and our Father and Jesus right. It's time we take back all the stuff that the devil's been trying to steal from us. We don't have to be sick for him. We have to be healed for God. It's time we do it. So everybody get a Bible or get something in your hand. You, you may have to retrieve it later, but do it. Your Bible ain't worth more than your healing. You can get it back. Do it as an act of faith. And think about everything in your body that's been attacking you. I mean from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Now before we do this, Dan, Dave, Rob, Dave, you come stand on this end right down here. Start the line. In that order. Start the, start the line. Get your Bible. Where's your Bible? Get your Bibles. I'm going to do it too. We're just all going to do it. We ain't going to be any, No exemptions. Nobody's tax exempt. Stand right here. I'm going to hand you. I'm going to hand you my Bible. You put it over there. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Glory to God. I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet from this day forward. Now you hand it off to one of them. You hand yours off, Dave, to one of them. Whoever you want to. Say it. Say it. Was healed. Okay, somebody do it for Jody. Yes, yes. All right, now start it down the line. And each one of y'all just spread off. Don't stop at one person. Just come on down. Get the four of them. And mean it when you say it. Glory to God. Yes, mean it. Mean it. Mean 